The Denver Broncos return to Pittsburgh this Sunday to take on the Steelers in a rematch from last season. It is crossover Thursday with Locked On Steelers host Chris Carter, Sarah Benninger, myself. We break down the matchup from every angle, plus we take a look at which teams have the matchup advantages and disadvantages. We break all that action down, all on today's brand new episode, Locked On Broncos. You are Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Steelers meet the Broncos, and we have all our hosts right on this show right here. I'm your host, Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers Podcast. Of course, Locked On Broncos, the dynamic duo. Cody Work and Sarah Bettinger. How are you guys doing, my my fellas? Uh, you know, I know that the Broncos have been really hot this year, but it's got to be exciting being able to cover a winning team because that's not what we're doing in Pittsburgh right now. <laughs> well, you know, who would have said that the roles would be kind of flipped so far to start the season? Yeah. If you would have told, you know, I think any three of us here that there would be a three-way tie for first place after four weeks in the AFC West between the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, and that the Chiefs would be at the bottom of the division, would have been like, nah, you're crazy, man. But, you know, Broncos off to a good start so far this season. Now can they overcome some adversity after their first loss of the season against the Ravens? And obviously, you know, it's not easy going on the road and playing another AFC North divisional team. So it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Cody, that makes, makes me very happy. The, the Kansas City Chiefs in last place. Man, that's, that's amusing. <laughs> like they're above ears. everybody. They're I know. They're above everybody on the power rankings. Like, what the heck? <laughs> messed up. It is it is crazy the power how the power out of power rankings work, man. But I, I wanted to ask the first question. This is more of a generic question. What has gone into the Broncos' early success this year? Because you know, Cody, I, I talked with you in you know in preseason talks with uh, with your boy Q. We were talking about the Broncos' chances to make a run this year with the defense that they got. Is it that defense, or is is also the offense being a big contributor as well? I know Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to miss this game with an injury, but it seems like he's been able to kind of hold serve with the offense and let the running game get to work. Yeah, it's really hard to pinpoint exactly where things are at. The Broncos defense so far this year has been spectacular. Now, minus the the game against the Baltimore Ravens where they, they dared Lamar Jackson to beat him with his arm, and he did just that. I mean, they did everything to sell out against the run, stop the run, and unfortunately, guys were, were free on the back end, which is weird to think about considering the talent that the secondary has and the guys that we have there. So I think that that's one of the things that stood out to me. But, you know, I think both Sarah and myself and Broncos fans have been impressed with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, even though that the Broncos, they opened up the season against the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets, they took care of business in those games. But Teddy Bridgewater's level of efficiency was something that stood out. And he was holding on to the ball, you know, a little longer because the offensive line was giving him time. But he's going through his reads, his progressions from number one to even sometimes the number four guy, and he's connecting with them. And so obviously, when he uh, took a shot to the helmet last week by the Ravens, that uh, knocked him out of the game. Concussion protocol. He's questionable, uh, but you know there's still probably a big chance he's not going to make it this game. So we'll find out a little bit more as the week goes on. And because concussion protocol is completely out of the Broncos' hands, it's an independent specialist that they right. have to go through. So uh, you know, obviously, not having Teddy's a big blow, but then you do have Drew Locke, who for him it's almost kind of like uh, everything's come full circle against the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. So. Well, I mean, the storyline's right itself this week. Yeah, it does. He started against them last year, and it was a really close game when, when they faced off last time, and also at Heinz Field again. So it's kind of crazy. They're getting back-to-back games in Pittsburgh. Sarah, I wanted to ask you about this secondary because they got a lot of really good athletes. Kyle Fuller, Kareem Jackson, Justice Simmons, and, of course, Patrick Sertan, the guy they picked up. 
how how comfortable are they with like switching off? Like no one questions that this group is fast, can run, and can and can and can challenge guys. But how comfortable are they now with you know with with Patrick Sertan and saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna flip things around. We're gonna call a lot of a lot of switches, uh, you know, at the line and try to confuse defense or confuse offenses uh, compared to just saying, you know what, we're just so good, we're gonna line up and we're gonna beat you guys, you know, regardless of how we line up. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think they're very comfortable. I think they're comfortable in any situation with Patrick Sertan out there on the field. That was kind of what he was pitched as coming out of Alabama, right? Is almost like a veteran NFL player mm-hmm. coming out of the draft. And so that's exactly what I think the Broncos have gotten. They really tried him at a number of different positions throughout training camp and that whole process. And the plan for him to start the season was to be kind of the dime backer and rotate into that outside corner position, just because like you mentioned, all the depth that they have there and we could see Ronald Darby come back this week. So we might actually get to see their initial plan on, bold against the Steelers here so we'll we'll just have to kind of what happens with that but I think he's been comfortable no matter where they're where they're putting him whether it's inside whether it's outside he's really been as advertised in that regard the Broncos have taken a lot of hits at the receiver position Jerry Judy's on injured reserve KJ Hamler's on injured reserve but Tim Patrick has stepped up former Steeler Deontay Spencer always the 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 guy that's super shifty and of course you still got Cortland Sutton but you know, and you got Noah fan, but who are the guys that you guys are looking to to be the playmakers to kind of give Drew Locke the best chance to get going in this game? Presuming that he does play, it's just with the concussion protocol, it's something that you have to consider. But e- either way, who is, has any of those guys emerged to be like, hey, like, you know, I'm the I'm the surprise guy that, te- that teams are probably overlooking and, you know, not giving not giving up respect to that's allowing the Broncos to make some plays downfield. Yeah, well, the the loss of Jerry Judy and K.J. Handler, I think we saw in week four against the Ravens just how impactful that was because you did have Cortland, you had Tim Patrick, both sizable guys, six foot four, mm-hmm. six foot five, but none of them have that top end speed. None of them have the ability to create separations with their routes. Not necessarily bad. That's not a, a knock against them, uh, against them, but that's just really their nature of their game. When you have Jerry Judy, who can lose you at the line of scrimmage with his moves and K.J. Handler with his speed, it causes you to respect them a lot more. So the Broncos, what they do have is they they brought in David Moore they stole him off the Las Vegas Raiders practice squad obviously a veteran guy they used him last week but he didn't have as many snaps he had 19 total snaps and he was mainly used as a decoy a guy in motion and then you just fake the you know fake the hand off to him you hand it off to the running back inside the B gap and that was what he was doing so I wonder if they're going to build things up a little bit this week however it's kind of been all throughout this season so far it's been pick your poison week one it was Jerry Judy getting the reps week two Corlin Sutton was force fed week three it was Tim Patrick week four a little bit more of Noel Fant at the tight end position so I mean is this a week maybe where we see a running back really have a lot of success out of the backfield as a receiver could it be another tight end like Albert Okuebunam who really needs to kind of step up after having a key drop which would have been a touchdown against the Ravens that who knows if he makes that the game could have went an entirely different way so right now it's just kind of like a pick your poison but it's also limited right now I was just looking at the depth chart and I thought to myself I was like man you have Tim Patrick, you have Cortland Sutton, but then you have Deontay Spencer who's coming off of being banged up from an injury as well. He's considered day-to-day. And then you have David Moore. So you might have to bring up a guy like Tyree Cleveland or Seth Williams this week off the practice squad to play. But how ready are those guys against a secondary that has Joe Hayden, obviously, with his veteran experience, and then obviously Mika Fitzpatrick. And uh, that, that's just a tough matchup for him regardless. So the Broncos, the offense, they have the work cut out for him this week. 
I'd say the Steelers offense has the work cut out for him because the Broncos defense, like you said, has been spectacular this year. And they've done so even while suffering injuries themselves. Josie Jewell on injured reserve, Bradley Chubb on injured reserve, but you still got Von Miller. And I listen, I was I was sitting there when Mike Tomlin was just like salivating over Von Miller at his Tuesday press conference, just talking about like, man, that guy's like one of the smartest dudes in football, and he's like one of the best, just best overall players. But you've also you've all you've also seen kind of this group kind of work in things. I wanted to ask what has been who have been some of the surprise guys that have helped kind of deal with those injuries? How's Baron Browning from Ohio State fitting fitting in? Uh, and Sarah, just talk about what has what's kind of built that defensive front chemistry along with Vaughn. Yeah, I think first and foremost, really, the fact that Malik Reed has kind of had to step in as a starter the last two years has really helped with the transition of Bradley Chubb being out. So Malik Reed is is used to playing a lot of snaps at this point, and he's pretty dang good too. So the Broncos found him as an undrafted guy in 2019 out of Nevada and he does a really good job off the edge playing the run getting a pass rush and I think he's getting a little bit better every single week as a pass rusher um, and, and so that's really been helpful Baron Browning just to specifically address him he's a guy that I called out on our show just yesterday actually and about him hopefully Vic Fangio is is taking note of what the Dallas Cowboys are doing with Micah Parsons, seeing what the Baltimore Ravens did with with Odafe Owe, those types of rookies with freakish athleticism. I know Browning wasn't exactly an edge coming out of the draft, but at the same time, he had some really, really strong reps as a pass rusher and a blitzer. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we see him getting to do that a little bit more as the season progresses. He's been a little bit banged up, so it's been tough to get him consistently out on the field. They're trying to work him in on special teams, and and they also have Justin Cernod, who they really like, who filled in Josie Jewell's spot on that defense. So it's kind of just been uh, this team's M.O., right? Over the last couple of years, it's been next man up mentality, and, and they have guys, thankfully, behind the starters who have already started um, in most cases. And in other cases, they have guys that they really wanted to get playing time, I think, anyway. So it's kind of worked out in that regard. Yeah, that, it certainly has. You, you're, what, 3-1 and one going into this game? I, I think that any Broncos fan would have taken that, you know, if knowing the injuries that, that, have, that have befallen the team, certainly fighting through them. We're going to get to some of the Steelers things in, in just a little bit. But first, I got to tell you guys about rockauto.com. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same car parts at a chain store? Store or car dealership. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from the chain store and just $216 when you visit rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parks to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us by so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliable low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com today and tell them that locked on sent you all right continuing here with crossover thursday all across the locked on network we get locked on broncos locked on Steelers, a sunday showdown and, and look obviously we love these afc conference games because each afc game that you play for your team they they have strong implications potential tiebreaker scenarios for down the stretch you know chris Obviously, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they haven't gotten off to the start that I think most people envisioned, you know, specifically with the addition, the offseason, Najee Harris. We had all thought the emphasis for this team was going to be to run the football, get that going. And I remember seeing reports, too, that ownership for the Steelers, they wanted Matt Canada to run the football more. But it doesn't seem like that has translated into being something that's consistent for the team 
yet. What is the state right now of the Pittsburgh Steelers entering this matchup for Broncos fans that maybe haven't been watching those games? The Steelers have loved what they've gotten out of Najee Harris. They he's every time he touches the ball, he's 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 a threat. And that they want to, that's why he, he caught the third most passes in team history against the Bengals uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. They just, they were like, okay, well, we can't run the ball right now because this offensive line, we're going to kick it to you out in the flat. And, and Najee even said, yeah, those were all checkdowns. Like I wasn't, that wasn't even designed to go to me. It just happened that way. Um, but last week you saw the first kind of signs that the running game was coming together. Mike Tomlin even said during his Tuesday press conference, like, hey, we got the building blocks there. That, that, that was the stuff that we've been waiting to see from this offensive line. And that, that's the thing. This offensive line is very makeshift. And that's kind of where the problems with the run games have lied. You have a third round draft pick in Kendrick Green, who converted from guard to center uh, to play their center. He's very mobile. He's, he's very young. He's very physical, but he's got a lot of polish that he needs that he needs to put on his game. You got a fourth round draft pick rookie at left tackle and Dan Moore Jr. at Texas A&M. Big, huge, really physical as well, but like, like Kendrick Green has a lot to polish. Kevin Dotson, the guy who was the, the guy that everyone thought would be kind of like the stalwart player from last year, a fourth-round draft pick out of Houston. He's had really good moments, but he's also kind of been like, man, I'm trying to manage in between these two rookies here. It's been rough on him. So, yeah, that situation. Trey Turner's come in and been decent, not great, you know, just, but but they needed a veteran presence when David DeCastro's, you know, had, had to get another surgery that was basically in his career. Um, and so you've had that situation. Zach Banner's been on injured reserve. Chikuma Korfor in concussion protocol. So they've had to get uh, their, their third string right tackle at Hague. It's been rough on them. But I will say this. Last week was the first sign of cohesion that you saw. Hey, guys, let's 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 double team this guy and chip to the backer. And then you saw them doing that consistently. It's the first game that Najee Harris has averaged over four yards per carry. The problem is they, they've, they've rarely had leads to protect. Last week was the first week that the Steelers have had a lead in, in the first three quarters of a game when they scored in their first possession. That's been a major problem, and when that happens, they start to get a little more pass-happy later in the game. That's what they didn't want to do this year. So part of it is the offensive line needs to get, get it together. Part of it is they haven't been able to score early enough to let the run game get going. So it's a mix of problems here. But one thing's for sure that I, they love what they're seeing out of Najee Harris, and they want to see, see this offensive line grow so that they can use him more and take that pressure off of Ben Roethlisberger. Well, speaking of Ben Roethlisberger, Chris, that's where my next question is headed. I remember the 2015 season, the Denver Broncos, we were watching Peyton Manning and and trying to deny all every week, like, man, he's falling off physically. And you had these national media people talking about Peyton Manning's falling off. Peyton Manning's falling off a cliff. He's throwing up one duck after another. And of course, Peyton's rebuttal is I've thrown a lot of, uh, a lot of wobbly touchdown passes, mm -hmm. but at the same time for Ben Roethlisberger this year, I mean, the, the it seems like maybe that physical cliff is, is he's either teetering on it or he's, he's fallen over. So I'm wondering what your perspective is on Ben Roethlisberger, where he's at physically, mentally. Is it the offensive line? Is it the receiver injuries that he's had to sustain? What's going on with Ben Roethlisberger this year? To me, I, I think it's it's primarily mentally. Like, you know, he threw a 40-yard, a 41-yard touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson last week that was on the money. You know, when he when he locks in and he sees something, that's when you know he's, he's, he's confident. But the problem is he's not seeing much. And that's what's evident when I look back at the tape. You know, I see a lot of people. And, yes, the offensive line plays a role in this. They're young. You know, he's he's played behind Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro and Villanueva and Ramon Foster and all these guys for about the past eight years. So, yeah, it's it's an adjustment for him to have to play against a, a line with two rookies, one second-year player, and really nobody that's a first-round first grade. Uh, so that, that's been an adjustment. But still – 
in the last game against the Packers, he, they, they, he was only pressured in 7% of his dropbacks, and you still saw him just kind of rushing through his reads, not going through his progressions. You know, a couple fourth downs where he had a guy wide open beyond the sticks, and he checked it down to someone under the sticks, and it didn't work out. To me, the biggest problem is his decision-making. And, and that, while that's been bad for the Steelers, I also think there's a potential for that to flip into something good for the Steelers because that's a sign that, like, hey, you know what? If he can get his reads together – they're not asking him to hit, hey, hit this guy 30 yards downfield in between bracketed cornerback and safety. Like, that's not what's being asked of him. Just hit the open man 8 to 10 to 12 yards downfield. He hasn't been able to do that consistently because he hasn't been seeing them. But I really do think, when, again, when, when he locks in and he sees his first read and it, it works out that way, he can fire a pass that's, that's on target. But it's going to be all about up here in the head. He has to be able to come out and see and, and actually trust what he's seeing, understand what defensive disguises are going to be thrown at him. That's the I think is the biggest problem. And that was why I asked about the cohesion of the secondary for the Broncos, because to me, the biggest thing that you can do to Ben Roethlisberger right now is keep flipping your safeties. Have one guy play single high, switch to cover two, come out and cover two, switch to cover one or cover three, do those type of things that kind of switch up what the underneath coverage is. And then he's going to, it'll take him too long to process. And then when he's taking too long to process, he panics and he gets rid of the ball. That's his biggest challenge right now going through his reads, understanding what defenses are trying to do to him. If he can figure that out, the Steelers offense will, will have a lot of things going for it. But right now, it's not looking good. That's why everyone's been like, man, Big Ben is, is cooked. And right now, he's he's, feed, he's feeding all of that energy with the way that he's playing. Well, and I want to shift it now to the defensive side of the ball. When you look at that pass rush there, I mean, it's a vaunted part of that defense. T.J. Watt obviously got a, a big-time paycheck, well-deserved for him. Uh, but he's also been dealing with a groin injury. He's been coming back and forth from that. You have Alex Highsmith, who I've been impressed with with him. And even just Melvin Ingram, too, former AFC West division rival from the Los Angeles Chargers coming over, and he's playing really good football right now. Where are things at right now with this defense? I know Devin Bush was coming off of ACL this past season. How has he been coming back into the mix a little bit? What is the theme here of this defense so far here in 2021? Well, one of the themes has been that the groin injury is contagious because everyone's getting it. T.J. Watt got it. Alex Highsmith got it. Joe Hayden got it. Devin Bush got it. And then I think uh, uh, Cam Sutton got it this week. And we're like, what? What is going on with people's groins? What? Why are? Why is this happening? It, it's it's been wild. Um, you know, T.J. Watt when and it, it's crazy. Someone said, oh man, T.J. Watt, he's injury prone. I'm like, that's the first game he's missed in his career where they've where they haven't intentionally sat him. Like, what are you talking about? But it, it's it's been it's been very wild to see to see that man and. Um, you know, part I you know, maybe part of it's the, the just the training, maybe part of it's just ramping up this this year. They're having a full training camp. Who knows? Uh, you know, and we all know athlete athletic injuries are weird, and no one can really tell where they're coming from half the time. Uh, but that's been the big thing that's held it held them back. Stephon Tuitt, a guy with double digit sacks last year, hasn't been back. Um, his brother died in a very tra tragic way over, over over the summer, and that really impacted his family, and it really impacted his, what we think is his rehab in an injury that he was going through during the summer, which is why he's not back yet and he's on injured reserve and mom's been the word around the Steelers facility about what's going on with Stefan to we don't know if he'll be back in a couple weeks a few weeks or if he's done for the season but it hasn't looked good um and they thought okay well we still got Tyson Olualu he's a good veteran that can line up next to Cam Hayward well he's down he's probably done for the season with, with his injury and so now 
what you say the biggest depth part of the defense, the defensive line, they're down huge right now because even one of their backups, Carlos Davis, hasn't played for two or three games now. It's just they've been decimated there. Cam Hayward still playing stalwart, still Cam Hayward, the captain. Uh, but now you got Chris Wormley as the guy next to him, and then you got a bunch of practice squad guys filling in behind him. And that's been the, been a big problem up the middle that's kind of made it turn what's been a really good strength for this team into – kind of just a mediocre position with one really good player. Um, as far as the edge rushers, when they're healthy, they're on fire. TJ Watt in the first in the first game and a half, he was the reason they were able, he was a big reason why they beat the Bills. He was just overpowering everyone in front of him. Um, and then in the early part of the Raiders game, he sacked Derek Carr and forced a fumble. And then shortly after that, when he got hurt, you saw that the, the, the team regressed a little bit in the pass rush. And then Alex Highsmith's groin got hurt and it regressed again. And uh, now Melvin Ingram has played a much more significant role in the pass rush than just the kind of, hey, we're going to bring you on to give these guys a break. And, you know, and sometimes put all three of you on at the same time, at the same time, uh, you know, on the field. So it, it, the biggest thing has been getting these guys healthy and back to 100 percent when they've been when they were firing on full cylinders. That's when this defense was. I mean, they're the only defense that's really held the bills and checked in the last two years. You know, when you when you think about it, they only allowed 17 points uh, and, they, and they were getting after Josh Allen. They need that pass rush to get active again. They did not get really get much of a rush on uh, Aaron Rodgers, even though T.J. Watt had two official sacks. It was one was a one was a play where he was kind of getting held and he tripped him. Um, and then another was a play where uh, they kind of bottled up Darren Rodgers and he just slid and took the sack and TJ Watt was the first one to tag him. So uh, they need to get that going if they want to be the, the defense that they're supposed to be. Absolutely. And I think that that definitely is what Broncos fans are most, you know, in fear of for this game, especially coming off of 11 hits and four sacks to the Baltimore Ravens. That is something that that is terrifying, frankly, considering the quarterback just went down with a concussion. So uh, I'm interested to know my, my final question for you, Chris, I'm interested to know what you feel is, is the next step that that offensive line has to take. I mean, this is a tough Denver Broncos defensive front. Obviously you mentioned Von Miller and, and we saw, we've seen time and time again throughout Von Miller's career, you know, the fact that he is able to affect and wreck games I'm interested to know what you think is the next step that Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line has to take um, in order to to really get back to the postseason and be the Pittsburgh Steelers team that we know and we've seen and 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 they believe they obviously can be this season. Uh, the biggest thing is just cohesion on in run blocking. That's been the biggest problem. And Mike Tomlin described it a couple of weeks ago as popcorn. Just like every play. Everyone will do their jobs except one guy, and then the whole play collapses. And, and that's been the issue with the offensive line. Sometimes it's not even the line. It's like Pat Fryermuth, uh, rookie tight end at Penn State. He'll miss a block, and that'll be the, the, the thing that the thing that collapses the play. Or Najee Harris misses a hole. That's the thing. There's four starters that are rookies on this offense. Pat Fryermuth is the number one tight end. He's taken over for Eric Ebron, uh, you know, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore, and, of course, Najee Harris. But what I saw last week was the first consistent game where, even though they lost, when they ran the ball – Everyone was kind of on their job and on their assignment. They were doing what they were supposed to do. Now you want to build that with a second game. And the the, the Packers front, missing Darius Smith was still like, you know, a guy like Kenny Clark. There was some challenges there. But now you're facing a Broncos front that's going to put, put even more challenges right in your face. They have to be able to show, hey, you did that last week against the Packers. That was put it on tape for a second week in a row. And then you can start building that into the middle part of the season. I, I told Steelers fans all offseason. This offensive line was going to struggle early. I expected them to start making their first strides in week eight 
if they can make their first strike strides or their first strides, you know, showing consistency here in weeks four and five, that'll be a huge step that new offensive line coach Adrian Clem is reaching these guys. He's been getting them to be more physical than they were last year. That was also an adjustment because they were more passive in their run blocking last year because of having all those older guys. Uh, but now with all these younger guys, they are like, no, we want our guys to go out and run, hit, drive people off the ball. If they're doing that, that's the sign that they're moving in the right direction. Yeah, even if the Steelers lose this game, you want to see that offensive line pushing the line forward, creating the hole so that Najee Harris can be more controlling in games. And again, taking that pressure off Ben Roethlisberger to have to throw so many times, making it so it's like, you know, you're only throwing 25 to 30 times a game instead of 40 to 50 to you know, times a game. Well, that was something that we were talking about as well. Like, man, Ben, why are they throwing the ball 50 times a game with him at this point? Especially last year when he's, you know, obviously coming off that elbow injury mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Obviously something to watch there. But, uh, you know, Steelers Nation and Broncos country coming up here in just a moment. We're actually going to talk about maybe some matchups that each that give teams maybe the advantage or disadvantage. We, dis we discuss, we debate coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, let me tell you about the other sponsor of today's crossover episode. That's a good friends over there, betonline.ag. Week five of the NFL season is here and as always BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface it's easy for you now to go and find the latest odds props and new contests at betonline.ag and they continue to be the number one source for everything football related and you can sign up right now by going to the website you're using your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code locked on from football basketball boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they have for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet online, where the game starts. We're keeping it rolling here on the crossover Thursday. I'm Chris Carter here with Cody Rourke and Sarah Bet Bettinger. Steelers, Broncos, breaking it down. Also, shout out to my man, Cody Rourke, because when he said Broncos country, he also says Steelers nation. Your boy Q. Holla at me, because you've been saying Steelers Nation ain't a thing, and your division rival who plays you every week called it Steelers Nation. So out my face, Raiders Nation, take a seat. You're not even Raiders Nation. You're Raiders Region. If you're a locked-on NFL listener, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and Steelers oh, fans are going to twirl in their terrible towels. So thank you, Cody Rourke, in your face, your boy. I'll be talking to him tomorrow on the Friday episode of Locked On NFL. But, fellas, let's talk about some matchups right here. I wanted to start with Sarah. Sarah. Give me a matchup that you think really favors the Broncos and also it goes against the Broncos in, in this game. It's something that the Steelers could do that could be a problem for, for, the, for this team. I think we touched on it in that second segment. It's the offensive line of the Steelers against the defensive front of the Denver Broncos. You know, Vic Fangio really likes to mix up the way that he he sends guys at the quarterback. And he's shown that over the first couple of weeks. He's been much more willing in, in the blitz department this season. So I'm really intrigued to see how he attacks a young offensive line. Of course, you mentioned the Steelers really want to get cohesive and they want to be physical in the running game. I think that's kind of the Broncos initial MO as well. We saw that against the Baltimore Ravens. They want to be physical against the run with Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, and that starting three for the defensive line. And of course, Von Miller, a tremendous run defender, Malik Reed, very good in that regard as well. Alexander Johnson, that's kind of his thing. So I think that the Broncos are going to key in on that 
early, and I'm interested to see how it develops in terms of the pass rush over the course of the game. The Broncos are in the top 10 in sacks per game this season already, which is great to see, especially with Von Miller coming off of injury. People were calling him washed up in the offseason. That was always hilarious. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds because, like you said, this is a young Steelers offensive line. So I think that's one area where that really favors the Denver Broncos in this game. I think an area that, that really – I mean, goes the opposite way is is the passing game for the Broncos against the the pass rush and pass defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, we don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to play in this game. He's got a concussion. He's got to go through protocol. If he doesn't play in this game, I think Drew Locke should be able to come in and play well enough to help the Broncos win a game. But at the same time, look, that we haven't seen that this season yet we don't know and the offensive line for the broncos i would say likewise has had plenty of struggles this year getting cohesiveness being physical off the ball winning the line of scrimmage that just hasn't happened and it has affected the quarterbacks whether we're talking about teddy bridgewater getting a concussion or drew lock really struggling in the in the spot duty that he had against the baltimore ravens so and the injuries at wide receiver like you alluded to earlier those have been an issue Portland Sutton and Tim Patrick can only do so much by themselves. And and David Moore hasn't been involved yet. He's only been there one game. Kendall Hinton barely been involved in the three games that he's been active. And of course, the tight ends, they're they're making some plays, but Albert Okawabenam also missed a huge play against the Baltimore Ravens. So right now it's just too much uncertainty, I think, in the Broncos passing attack offensively in terms of their pass protection and the quarterback position, I think that really favors the Steelers. For my for my favoring the Steelers matchup here, I mean, I mean it's very much the same in what you're saying there, Sarah. It's it's got to be this pass defense. You look at the pass rush and what they've been able to do. You know they've been limited the last week, but one thing that I think the way that's going to favor the Steelers, especially this week, is that they they did a good job last week of making sure Aaron Rodgers couldn't beat him with the bomb, which is what happened against the Raiders and the Bengals. You had Henry Rugg scoring a big touchdown, Jamar Chase scoring a big touchdown, and those were get, plays that kind of broke the game open. Mike. Tom talked about, hey, we got to shut that valve off. We can't have that happen here. And the Steelers at least did that against Aaron Rodgers. They forced him to, hey, you're going to have to slice this up underneath, which he did. He hit Randall Cobb for two touchdowns and threw a lot of passes underneath. But that's Aaron Rodgers. That's what he's supposed to do. That's why he's an elite quarterback, one of the greatest of all time. If you're coming into this game and I'm the Steelers, I'm saying, look, same sort of deal. Don't give Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke the bomb. Make sure that if you're going to hit a drive, you're going to have to hit a drive where you can take six, seven, eight passes, move the ball down the field, and consistently read the defense, make the smart throw and the tight throw into a passing window. Force that those those guys to be accurate several times and and and, and be lurking there for when the mistake happens. I like the way that Joe Schobert and Devin Bush have played over the middle. They've been both assets in, in, the, in the coverage game. Even though their stats don't show it, when you watch the tape, you see Devin Bush running with guys deeper downfield than, than, he, than he was, and he's coming back off that injury plan playing well. Joe Schobert definitely been an asset, was a huge part of a red zone stand the Steelers had last week, and he's he's been, he's been a plus for them. Micah Fitzpatrick, even though PFF has, has him as like the worst safety in the NFL right now, he's making plays out there. He's able to fly around. Heck, the interception that Terrell Edmonds had on Aaron Rodgers, he jumped in and tipped, or excuse me, that was like, I believe that was, uh, that was against the Bengals, but uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the interception that he had, that Terrell Edmonds had, it was because Micah Fitzpatrick came in and tipped the ball up and, and created that play. Teams have been avoid have been avoiding uh, you know Minka Fitzpatrick for a, in a lot of ways, and he almost had a tight a kick a kick field goal or blocked field goal returned for a touchdown last week. So they have playmakers. They're going to trust those guys. They need to trust them to say, hey, you know what? We're going to keep the lid on on the on the offense, and we're going to force you going underneath. But where the Broncos, like you said, where they can really cause problems is with their defense. But I'm going to say do something a little different than you, Sarah. I'm going to say, yeah, the, the defensive front. 
that's obvious. That's that's one that everyone's going to see and see like, man, young offensive line, Vaughn Miller and that defensive front problem. Where I think the Broncos can cause the most havoc is with that secondary and what I was talking about earlier. With Justin Simmons, he intercepted Ben Roethlisberger last year. Him and Kareem Jackson being able to rotate at safety, flipping guys around. You got Patrick Sertan. You literally like Kyle Fuller. You might get Ronald Darby back. That's a lot of rotation that you can do to say, hey, you sometimes we're in cover four, cover six, cover three, cover two, cover one. You know, we're, you know, we're running man here. You're, you're going in these different situations. If they're able to do that and keep Ben Roethlisberger confused and he can't find his, his, his self in this game – that's going to create more opportunities for Von Miller and that pass rush. So that's my biggest thing for the Steelers to watch out for is watch out for all the disguises that the Broncos will throw at you because if you don't, Ben Roethlisberger is going to look even more lost, and that's going to make this a real rough game to win for Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm going to kind of change, keep it similar, kind of change it up a little bit. I'm, I'm going to look at maybe a matchup to watch, right? And, and I'm going to go to offensive coordinator here, Pat Sherman, mm. because last year against Pittsburgh Steelers, look, the Broncos, they were down 17-3 to at halftime, and Jeff Driscoll, of all people, somehow rallied them back with Noah Fant and Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon, obviously having mm-hmm. some big plays. But also, he got in his way, too, because I just I remember a fourth down play specifically. The Broncos were driving to potentially win the game, and Edmonds comes free on, blip, you know, on a blitz on fourth down and, and sacks Jeff Driscoll. Game's over. So I want to see, can Pat Shermer kind of learn a little bit from the matchup last year? Because one thing I noticed with the Steelers, they do a lot of different stunts and twists, and they'll mm-hmm. bring T.J. Watt. They'll, they'll have the defensive end attack the outside, and then Watt will come up underneath. And that's what led to Drew Locke getting hurt on that second series. But for me, it's, it's the matchup up there in that secondary there's no kj hamler there's no jerry judy and you didn't have that you know in this matchup you had that a little bit last year and obviously joe hayden knows kj hamler very well he's mm-hmm. like yeah because he got pushed over <laughs> but you don't have that right I lift now. weights <laughs> and that's a concern you know for for Cortland sutton coming off of acl because he tore his acl in a game against the steelers last mm. year so this is a big week for Cortland. i wonder if the broncos are going to try to get him going and if drew lock is the starter i imagine just like last year we're gonna see a couple of shots downfield that's where they had the advantage but uh, you know that's the matchup i'm looking forward to. and it could either be an advantage for the broncos or it could be a disadvantage gentlemen so i'm going to kind of keep it on brand there but i think all those are, are very great matchups that you all mentioned absolutely fellas this is always fun we get to do this i know steelers broncos doesn't always happen but this is two years in a row i've gotten cody and i get to finally do a show with sarah this has been a lot of fun this is uh this, this is great. Do check out both of our of our shows, Locked On Steelers and Locked On Broncos, anywhere on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and of course YouTube. Like and subscribe to this video, whether you're watching on the Broncos channel or the Steelers channel. With all that being said, fellas, thanks for doing the crossover Thursday. Thanks for watching the crossover Thursday. Be sure to tune into our episodes on Friday, wrapping things up for the big game.